Would you pray with me? O God, you have called your servants to ventures of which we cannot see the ending, by paths as yet untrodden, through perils unknown. Give us faith to go out with good courage, not knowing where we go, but only that your hand is leading us and your love supporting us, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and the two other disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, have you no fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there, with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. 
He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. This 21st chapter of John is curiously odd and hauntingly familiar. It's odd for several reasons. First, some time has passed since Jesus has been raised from the dead. The preceding story is the account of Jesus' appearance to the disciples who are locked away for fear, and Jesus' gracious reaching out to Thomas with his wounded hands. Now, seven disciples, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, James and John, and two unnamed disciples, have returned to the Galilee region. This is a trip of about 40 miles, and would probably have taken two days or so. While other Gospels direct the disciples to go and wait for Jesus in the Galilee, John provides no such direction. It's certainly possible they were there to wait for him, though the sense of this text is that these seven disciples are sad, feeling like this Jesus movement has stalled out and are unsure what to do now, so they return to what's familiar to them, fishing. Why do they feel sad? Why the sense of defeat? Jesus showed himself to them twice before, just a couple of days ago. Are they all in doubt about his resurrection? And if so, it's not just Thomas we need to label with that descriptor of being a doubter. There's also this business of Peter fishing naked at night. While it might seem an odd tale to our ears, it's probably not so unusual in his first century Galilean context. What is a bit odd is his diving into the water at the realization that Jesus is present and he is naked. Is he ashamed? Excited? A bit of both, perhaps? Peter's oddity doesn't end there. The catch of fish was so great that seven grown and experienced fishermen couldn't haul it in. Instead, they drag it behind the boat. And yet when Jesus asks for some fish with which to prepare breakfast, Peter goes and hauls the entire net in by himself on shore. The oddity continues. Lurking behind the English in the original Greek is a curious twist in Jesus' reinstatement liturgy to Peter. As Jesus asks Peter three times if he loves him, the text wavers back and forth from agape love, divine love, to philios, brotherly love. To be honest, I don't know what to make of it, and neither do commentators but I nonetheless find it oddly curious. Beyond the oddity of this text, there is great familiarity. This story is remarkably similar to the call of Peter. There again were Peter, James, and John. There again was a fruitless night of fishing. There again was Jesus urging just one more letting down of the nets. And there again was a miraculous catch of fish, so great that it couldn't be hauled in. Both texts end with Jesus' invitation to follow me. We also hear echoes of the creation story. 
In the beginning, the Spirit hovered over the waters, just as Jesus' voice carried over these waters in the Galilee. In the beginning, Adam and Eve were ashamed at their nakedness and hid from God, perhaps much the same way Peter reacts to Jesus' presence. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he gave them a meal, a meal where he took bread, blessed and broke it, gave it to them to eat. He's fed before. He's fed thousands with bread and fish, and on this last night he feeds with bread and wine. Here again he gives them a meal. Here again there is bread which he takes and gives. It's subtle, but the echoes are there. From feeding thousands in the wilderness to feeding twelve in the upper room to feeding seven here by a charcoal fire. Long ago, God spoke to Moses out of a burning bush atop a mountain. And now, by the lakeside, God speaks across a charcoal fire to Peter, calling him to a venture of which he cannot see the ending by paths untrodden. The call is the same to love, to feed, to liberate God's people. This is a story this day of oddity and familiarity. It makes you both cock your head to the side and say, wait, what? And nod your head in familiarity and say, I remember that. This story mirrors life because life is filled with both the odd and the familiar. Truth is stranger than fiction, they say. You just can't make up some of the odd things that happen in life. Just like you can't make up some of this text's oddities. Likewise, life is full of the familiar. A trip down memory lane. A song that takes you back. A smell that makes you remember. A friend with which you share old memories. Life is both odd and familiar. And whatever it is for you this day, Jesus is there with you just as he is in this oddly familiar story. He's there calling out, offering help, nourishing and inviting. He's not concerned with past failures, only with making sure you have what you need for the oddly familiar journey ahead. So where does Jesus show up for you today? How does he help and guide you? With what is he feeding you? How is he washing away your past for a bright new tomorrow? So today, may you know that whether life is odd or familiar, or perhaps even both, may you know that Jesus is present for you. He is present for you with love and compassion, feeding you with what you need and inviting you into today and tomorrow and forever with him. Amen.